You may be seated. Well, good evening, Hope Bible Church and friends and guests who are here joining us tonight. Uh, my name is Ray Kaprowski. I have the privilege, I mean that in every sense of the word, I have the privilege of being the senior pastor of this church, and it is my joy to open the word of God with you. You'll notice in the name of our church, it's Hope Bible Church, which means we are going to need our Bibles. If you do not have a copy of God's word with you, put your hand up nice and high. Our ushers are coming forward right now. We wanna put a Bible in your lap. You're going to need it. We are gonna go verse by verse, Lord willing, verse by verse, line by line through Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 38. Hands up nice and high, not halfway. Our ushers gotta see you, gotta see a lot of people in this room and they will make sure that you get Bibles in your hands. And it's on page 536 in those blue Bibles that are being handed out right now. Page 536, Acts 10, 34 to 48. Well, here we are, January 20th, 2024. It is a new year that is now upon us. And many of us, perhaps all of us, see this new year as a chance for a new beginning. A new beginning, a new life, a chance to put the past behind us. Maybe, maybe 2023 didn't go so well for you. Maybe it was one of the best years of your life. Maybe you did things that you now regret, and there's consequences for that. Whatever that is, we see the new year as a chance for a new life, a new beginning filled with new opportunities new disciplines that we want to put in place in our lives to better them, new lifestyles, new goals, new relationships, new dreams, and a chance to start over perhaps and get things right. But question for us tonight, quite often we start out like really eager in a new year, but it doesn't always end up being that way, does it? The dreams that we set out don't get accomplished. The goals, the resolutions that we make aren't fulfilled. The relationships we were hoping for end up leaving us broken. Don't believe me on this, so I did a little research. I love statistics. And so I did a little research, and according to Ohio State University, this was taken out of in 2023, just this past year, 23% of people who make New Year's resolutions uh, quit their resolutions by the end of the first week. Anyone keeping your resolutions yet? Here we are, third week. They quit by the end of the first week, 23%. And if that's not enough, by the, by the end of January, so coming up really soon, 43% statistically of people who make New Year's resolutions set these goals for themselves, quit by the end of January. And as a result, as the months go on and the year progresses, only 9% of people actually complete their resolutions. 9%. And here's the thing about that 9%. Even with that, here's what they overwhelmingly found. The fear that they're trying to get over is still there. The insecurity that they want to let go of is still gripping them. The brokenness that they're trying to heal by adding all these things, it just remains. The shame that they're trying to cover and run from, it still hovers over them. And this highlights the problem. Real-time stats just highlights the problem is that we look to these things, our plans, our resolutions, our goals, to give us the new beginning, the new life that only God can give. It's so clear. But let me ask you a question, loved ones. What if I told you today that God is offering you right here, 2024, January 20th, a brand new beginning? Today, brand new. A brand new life today. Would you want that? Would you want that? That no matter what you have done or are currently doing can be forgiven. The guilt that is hovering over your aunt can be taken. The brokenness can be healed. The anxiety can be overcome with peace. The fear can be trampled by faith. The hopelessness 
can now be turned to eternal hope. Would you want that? The brokenness can be healed. See, no matter who you are, what's happened this past year or before that, God offers you, it doesn't matter your past. I don't know some of you in this room, but I don't have to know to know this, that God offers you a new beginning right now that will last for eternity. 100% true. One of eternal hope, eternal peace, eternal joy, eternal acceptance, eternal love, eternal forgiveness, eternal adoption, and a new and eternal life. Here's the good news of 2024. Here's the good news of every single day because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You'll see it on the screen. It's the big idea of our text. Let's write this down. No matter who you are, God offers you a new beginning through Jesus Christ. What a message to start the year off with. No matter who you are, what you've done, you say, you don't know me. Yeah, you're right, I don't, but God does. Why? Because he created you. You are his fearfully and wonderfully made creation. And he offers you a new beginning through Jesus Christ. So the title of this message is A New Beginning. And you'll notice there it says part two. And so last week we dove into part one here in Acts 10. And we saw that it is a new beginning or chapter in the life of the early church. And the good news of the gospel is spreading like wildfire. And here we are, we find ourselves, little recap for those of you who weren't here from Acts 10, 1 to 33, what's happened to bring us here? We're in a place called Caesarea. Caesarea in Israel, you'll see it on the screen there, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, absolutely beautiful. And we're at the house of a Gentile named Cornelius. Now remember, Cornelius was not just a regular, you know, regular Joe. He is a Roman centurion. He's a big deal in the Roman army. He is leading a hundred men in the Italian cohort of soldiers. And so God gives a vision to Cornelius to send men for the apostle Peter. Cornelius is not a believer in Jesus Christ at this point. And so God shows up in a vision to Cornelius to send men to go get the apostle Peter. Now, who was Peter? He was a leader of the early church. And Peter, if you keep that map on the screen, you just go to the next town below it. That's 31 miles south in the town of Joppa. That's where Peter is. And so Cornelius sends three soldiers to go and get Peter. And at the same time, those men are walking down the coast. God gives Peter a vision. And showing him that through through Jesus Christ... People can have salvation. All people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation can be clean and purified from their sin and united to God and to one another in him. No partiality. God shows no partiality. Amen? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is available to all. You do not have to clean yourself up. That's what God's trying to teach Peter right here. And so what's the result? Peter gets this vision. Cornelius' men show up at his house. They come up at the gate. They're like, we're looking for a guy named Peter. Peter's like, I'm the one you're looking for. And he, they leave Joppa. They go back to Caesarea. And Peter takes six Jewish Christians with him. And they go to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. And Cornelius has been prepping for him. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He's a planner. He's prepped for this visit. And he's got his entire household and friends waiting for Peter. And Cornelius says to Peter, eyes in the book, verse 33, the back half. He says, so I sent for you at once and you've been kind enough, Peter, to come. Verse 33, now therefore, can you just picture it? Here's the scene. Everyone, the house is packed. He says, now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. This is like a preacher's favorite audience ever. Everyone's just dialed in. They're like, you speak, we're gonna listen, and we're gonna do it. We're gonna do what God's word says. We're just waiting, all ears. I love this. And now here, in part two of this text in Acts 10, we see the plan and power of God on display. 
and the new beginning, watch this, this is beautiful, and the new life that he offers to all who come to him through Jesus Christ. You ready to go? We're gonna stand to honor the authority of God's word. We're gonna read verses 34 to 43. Bible's open, let's stand to read this together, nice and loud. This is the word of the Lord, let's go. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That is awesome. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Let's go. Here we go, loved ones. God offers you a new beginning. First thing we see right here from these first nine verses is this. We must behold his plan. What's God's plan for your new beginning and mine? Salvation. Salvation. A new beginning comes through God's plan. Will you hear? Here, here's the application for us. Here's the takeaway. You don't want to just be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word in his power. Here is the application for us. Will you hear God's truth right now and trust it? There is no new beginning without it. Will you hear God's truth right now and trust it. See, Peter, standing in front of all those in Cornelius' house, the whole house is packed, eyes all on him, he just unloads it. He takes the invitation and begins to declare to them God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, that word salvation can take, we can have a lot of connotations that come up. Depending on the background that you're from, what is, what is God talking about when he says salvation? Let's unpack it, just as Peter does. Here we go. You're going to want to get your pens ready, trust me. Salvation, we see right here, first off, is by grace alone. By grace alone. Look at 34 and 35. Go back to the text. So Peter opened his mouth. Here he goes. And he said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That term partiality, by the way, that which completely saturates our society today, it means this, it means to show favoritism or an unfair bias to one person over another. It is to discriminate. You think that's plaguing our world today? You bet. It means to discriminate with one, to one person over another. And Peter declares that God doesn't give salvation. God does not discriminate. He doesn't give salvation to people based on their works. How much you, well, I'm going to give salvation to you because you worked a lot harder. You went to church a lot more than this person. You've got a better job than this person. So I'm going to come, God doesn't discriminate. He shows no partiality based on our works, but he gives salvation to those who humble themselves. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble those who humble themselves before him. And Peter says that salvation is not given to those who quote unquote try to earn it by their works. And it's not based on one's ethnicity, on their background, on their appearance, how many piercings they have, what tattoos are on their body, their age level or their level of sin they are engaged in. God does not discriminate. That's good news. Rather, salvation is given as a gift of God. Here it is, a gift of God's grace. A gift of God's grace alone. 
no matter who you are or what you've done. Salvation, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, justification before God, being, being made right with God and having peace with him. It is literally God giving you what you don't deserve and what I don't deserve. It is a gift of grace for those who would receive it. Like any gift, we need to receive it. See, the truth is anyone and everyone who has been or will be saved in Jesus Christ, who will have a new beginning, a new life in him, we did nothing to earn it. I did nothing to earn it. I could never be good enough to earn that. And you may say this, well, how is this, like, how is this possible? What do you mean I don't have to earn? Do we live in a culture that's like, you've got to earn every inch. You want to go up the corporate ladder? You better earn it. You want some status in society? You better earn it. You want some favor from other people, your neighbors, otherwise, you better earn it. God's like, this world's like, do, 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 do. All other religions, do, 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 do. You know what Jesus says? Done. Done. You say, how is this possible? Because salvation is by grace alone, but here it is. It's in Jesus alone. It's in Jesus alone. You see it right there. Look at 36 to 41. Go back to the text. Keep reading. So good. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, notice this, he is the Lord of all. Highlight that section of the verse. Jesus is the Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God, notice that, I love this, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But I love this. So, so I find, I don't know about you. I just find so much encouragement every time God's word says, but God. It's like, Ray, you're a mess. You're going down the wrong path. But God. But God. You're struggling with that fear and anxiety. But God. This world looks like it's spinning out of control. But God. Changes everything. God raised him, verse 40, on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. What a statement. See, here's what this means. Here's the clarity we need here. Who's Jesus? Do you know I did a little research? It's New Year. I told you I like stats, right? Did some research on how often is the question, who is Jesus, put into Google? It was staggering. Who is Jesus? You don't think there's a longing for eternity in the hearts of people? And we try to fill it so much with the things of this world that can't satisfy it? Why is who is Jesus one of the most popular searches on Google search engine? Let's find out who God says Jesus is. Not who this world says Jesus is, who God says Jesus is. Let's go back to the text. It's okay. Get your pens ready. Told you, you got to have them ready. Jesus is the one who gives us peace with God. Look at verse 36. Go to back to 36, the first part. So good. Who's Jesus? He gives us peace with God. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of what? Confusion, of chaos, of fear, of anxiety? No, of peace of peace through Jesus Christ. Anyone desiring peace here? Anyone struggling to have peace in this crazy upside down world that we live in? You're not gonna find it on Fox News. You're not gonna find it on CTV. I guarantee it. You're not gonna find it in that relationship you think is gonna give you it. You're not gonna find it in the amount of money you wanna pad your wallet with. Trust me, you will not find it. Why? Because the God of the universe tells us otherwise. Don't take my word for it, take his. Peace with God only through Jesus Christ. See, here's the reality we need to understand. If we are going to receive God's gift of salvation, we have to understand that you and I have a problem. You and I have a big problem and it literally impacts everything about our lives from what we think, what we say, what we do to the relationships we have, to the motives that we keep. And here's the problem. 
It is our sin. We are sinners. And it is that sin that separates us from God. And yet notice the text. Through Jesus Christ alone. What does it say? He offers us his eternal peace. A right relationship with God. Adopted as his child. And given eternal life through the forgiveness of sin. And some of you may be here. I don't know your backgrounds. Some of you may be here and you're thinking, you know what? My father was anything but a good father. I don't want to even think about adoption. And if that's where you're at and where you've come from, I just want to say two things. Number one, my heart grieves with you. There is not a justification for that, of what may have happened to you at the hands of your father. But God the Father is a perfectly good father. And all he does is act out of his perfect love towards his children for their greatest good and his greatest glory. And a smoldering wick, that may be you right here at the start of 2024, a smoldering wick he will never snuff out. He says, come to me. I love you. I made you. And I will never leave you or forsake you. But will you trust him? Will you trust him? Maybe you're searching for peace today in your New Year's resolutions you're putting in. If I just can look better and have a better body image, I'll have great... You won't find it. It's a dead end. Bigger paycheck. That relationship, how hard you work. Maybe you're trying to find peace in some other name for God. Listen, there's only one name that is above every name. There's only one name by which you can be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. You will not find peace with God anywhere else, and you certainly can't work your way there. It is by grace alone, in Jesus alone. Who else is Jesus? Well, we see he gives us peace with God, the Son of God who gives us peace with God. But we also say, go back to the text, right from the text, so clear. He is the Lord of all. Brackets, look at it, back half of 36. He is the Lord of all. The word Lord there means master or ruler over all things. See, Jesus is just, a, this world tries to twist this. The enemy tries to twist this truth. Jesus is not just a man. Maybe some of you have heard that. Well, Jesus was just a good moral teacher. He's just a guy who did some nice things, was here for 33 years, and now he's gone. Mm -mm. Jesus was not just a prophet. Some of you may have heard that. Jesus is just a prophet, one of many. Uh -uh. Jesus was not just a prophet. Just go back to the authoritative word of God, and it will tell you otherwise. Jesus is not just a prophet. He is not one of many so-called gods. There is one God. He is the Lord who is ruling and reigning. Let me ask you a question. I got chiseled with this this week in so many ways. Who are you making Lord over your life? I don't know about you, but I struggle in making myself Lord over my life. I want to do what I want to do, my agenda, my things, my time, my way. Newsflash, hey, one of the most freeing pieces of news you could ever hear to start 2024, you are not the Lord over your life, and neither am I. There's only one Lord. Go to the text, 36. Jesus is the Lord over all. Anything you have is because he allowed you to have it. He gave it to you. Anything you've done is because he enabled you to do it or allowed you to do it. Nothing is outside of his sovereignty. He is the Lord over all. Who are you making Lord over your life? Others? Maybe you just live gripped in the fear of man. Maybe your job, just working crazy hours all the time, trying to get to the next rung. Maybe false gods or religions. Who are you bowing the knee to? There is only one Lord of all, and salvation is given by grace to those who humble themselves before him alone. All right, Jesus, Jesus gives us peace with God as the Son of God. 
He is the Lord of all. Here's the next thing we see right from the text, verses 37 to 38. Go back to the text. He is the one, the one, exclusively anointed by God. Go back to 37, 38. Peter says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God, look at this, God was with him. See what Peter tells that household now is that they know about Jesus's life and ministry. Maybe that's described some of us here tonight. You've heard about Jesus before. You know a bit about him. That's what's going on in Cornelius's house. They knew about his ministry all over Israel. They heard about it. It was no small thing what Jesus was doing in those 33 years. As it began, after the ministry of John the Baptist, you see, after the baptism of John, you see that in the text, who was the forerunner of Jesus, in whose mission it was to prepare people for Jesus by baptizing them as a symbol of their desire to repent and get right with the Savior. But notice in verse 37, go back to the text, eyes in the book, he says, you yourselves know. He says, the evidence is clear, and you cannot deny that Jesus came to earth as fully God and fully man and was anointed by God. Anointed means empowered. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God Almighty himself. To do what? Go to the text. It's right there. Doing good and performing miracles of healing, driving out demons demons and overpowering the devil's oppression. That word oppression there means exploitation. How many people right now, how many children right now are under exploitation in this world? Do you know who that's from? The devil. Do you know what spirits behind exploitation of men and women right now and children? The devil. Under his hand of oppression, destroying lives, because that's his MO. That's why Jesus needed to come. The evidence is clear that Jesus was empowered by God. And here's the clarity we need to see from these two verses. Lock this in, loved ones. Eyes up here. Eyes up here. I want to say this as lovingly as I can because I love you. I want to be a faithful minister of God's word. If you are not saved in Jesus Christ, hear this. If you are not saved in Jesus Christ, loved one, you are still under the control, the oppression, and the exploitation of the devil. And you can't work your way out of that any more than I could work my way out of it. You are a slave to your sin. At its whim. The lust of the flesh. And the only way that that can be broken is through the power and blood of Jesus Christ to save you from it. Just look at the text. Don't take my word. Just look at the text. I plead with you, loved ones. But question, here's what it comes down to. Will you believe he's the anointed Messiah from God? Or is he still just another story or man or teacher to you? Is he the anointed Messiah from God? Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus is the Lord of all. Jesus was anointed by God. And here's the next one. Jesus is the only sacrifice for sin. Go to 39. Keep going. Peter goes on. And we are witnesses of all that Jesus did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. What on earth does that mean? They put him to death by hanging him on a tree? Peter declares that Jesus was sacrificed by the religious leaders on a tree. The tree he's referring to is a wooden cross. Okay? So he says, tree, it's a wooden cross. Now let's get some clarity here. Peter specifically uses that phrase, death by hanging him on a tree, because in the Old Testament law that the same religious leaders who put Jesus to death would know really, really well. Deuteronomy 21, 23, you can look it up if you want. It's in the Old Testament. It says that anyone who is cursed by God 
is to be hung on a tree as a symbol of their God's curse upon them. And so what the religious leaders did, because they were trying to quell Jesus, they just wanted to, to shut him up and they wanted to get rid of him. So they made him look like he was cursed by God. They intentionally sacrificed Jesus on the cross because they thought that he was blaspheming God by Jesus saying he was God. And I want you to notice the greatest news in all of history. Jesus took the position of one who is cursed by God because even though he was sinless and never sinned once in 33 years, On this earth, he took the penalty for your sin and mine as it was laid on him. The wrath of God laid on him as our substitute. That's what we deserved. Jesus became the one cursed by God in our place. And he took the penalty of sin as our substitute. See, Jesus was bearing in your place and mine the curse of our sin and God's judgment against it. You know one of the greatest news of all time, the gospel? It's called the gospel, good news of the person and work of Christ. You know, if you could sum up the gospel, it would be this way. Jesus in my place. Just say that one time with me. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus in my place. There, you just summed up the whole gospel. Jesus in your place. Not based on what you've done, not based on what you look like, not based on your accomplishments. Jesus in my place. By grace alone. Through him Alone, the sacrifice for our sin. See, here's the thing. Our debt is too big for us to pay it. You and I need a savior or we will stay under the judgment and wrath of God, oppressed by the enemy for our sin, which ultimately, without salvation, will lead us to hell and separate it from God for eternity. And you say, well, that sounds really heavy. That's like a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Jesus, the only sacrifice for sin, but he doesn't stop there. Keep going in the text. Jesus, he was raised to life. Look at 40 and 41. He's killed on that cross. But watch this. But God raised him on the third day. That's good news. And made him to appear, not to all the people, verse 41, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. See, after paying the penalty for our sin, as our perfect sacrifice, Jesus died, was buried in a tomb for three days, but notice the text. Great news. He didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. There's only one who's defeated death ever. And his name is Jesus Christ. The greatest penalty of our sin defeated could not hold him and was defeated as Jesus was raised to life. And then to prove it, notice the text. You say, well, wait, how do you know it was actually true? Well, there's tons of accounts, but notice the ones the text looks at. He appeared to his disciples for 40 days, eating and drinking with them and giving them their mission, which is the same mission we have today, to be his witnesses, proclaiming the gospel to all nations. And then Jesus ascended to heaven when his work on earth was finished. And now what's he doing? Oh, just go to the text. It's right here, verse 42. He is now appointed by God. Watch this, eyes in the book. Hang with me. And he commanded us to preach to the people, there's our mission, and to testify that he is the one, not one of many, the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. See, Jesus right now, here's great news. Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning with all authority over heaven and earth. And he will judge. Notice the text. You can't escape this. This is a promise. He will judge all the living and the dead. None will be able to escape him. And the reality is this, church, friends, visitors. The reality is this. Each one of us, one day very soon, very soon, as Jesus says in his word, behold, I'm coming soon, very soon will stand before Jesus. And we will see him face to face very soon. But we have the choice right now, in his patience, in his love for us, we have the choice right now to humble ourselves and bow before him. But at that time we see him face to face, it will be too late. 
it will be too late. Question, most important question of our lives. Have you humbled yourself and been saved in Jesus Christ? Have you humbled yourself before the King of Kings saying, yes, Lord, I believe. I am a sinner and you are my only savior. And you say, well, how can I be saved? Well, here's God's plan of salvation. By grace alone, in Jesus alone, and look at 43, through faith alone. Through faith alone. Look at 43. To him, that is Jesus, Peter goes on to say, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The term believes there isn't just like, yeah, I totally believe like some guy named Jesus existed. I believe he hung around for a while. I believe there was a guy that did that. No, 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 no. This belief, true belief, saving faith, affirms and believes the truth about who Jesus was, the Son of God, the Savior, the anointed, all those things we just looked at. And then as a result of that, repents or turns from their sin and turns toward him, confessing him as their Lord and Savior. Say, I am a sinner and you are the Savior. Please forgive me. And what's the result? Well, you see it, verse 43, just go back to the text. Complete, the very last part, look at this. Look at, oh, so good. Everyone who believes in him, no matter what you've done, receives forgiveness. Notice, receives. It's not earns forgiveness. It's receives forgiveness. Forgiveness, a record wiped clean. See, Jesus has already factored in all the sins that you ever have done, are doing, or will do. He's already factored that in. And he's already ready to cover it. If you would receive his gift of salvation, you will no longer be separated or alienated from God, but adopted by God as his child, justified before God, declared righteous, so that now when God sees you, get, get this, you want to know the awesome, one of the awesome things about salvation? It's called justification. When God sees you, if you are saved in Jesus Christ, he no longer looks at you as if you have sinned. He sees the perfect life of his perfect son in you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And blind, but now I see. Behold the love of God for you. He looks on you as if you've never sinned, not even once, because he sees you through the sinless blood of his son shed on your behalf. This is why John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, one way, exclusive to God. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Behold God's plan of salvation for you and I. By grace alone, in Jesus alone, through faith alone. This is your way, the only way to a new beginning or a new life. See, Jesus is God's plan for your salvation. Will you hear God's truth and trust it? That's what it comes down to. It's where the rubber meets the road. And if you're here and you've never confessed Christ as your Savior, maybe you, like Cornelius right here. Cornelius was really religious. If you go back to the first part of Acts 10, he was going through the motions, giving alms. He was saying prayers. He was religious, but he wasn't regenerate. He wasn't made new. He was not saved. Maybe that's some of us here today, going to the services, saying the prayers, doing the good deeds, but not saved. Maybe that's some of us, trusting in our works or abilities, or maybe you're trusting in something else to save you. Your job, your money, your body image, other names for God, Allah, Buddha, you name it. Maybe you're trusting in that. Or maybe you think you're too far gone. Maybe you think I've done too much. Your sin is too great. Hear this friend. Hear this friend. Great news. There is no one or no sin that is too far gone that the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Hear God's truth right there. You think, but it's so bad. And Jesus is so great. And his love for you is so magnificent. Will you receive his gift? Today can be a new beginning, a new life for you, but will you trust him? Don't harden your heart. And brothers and sisters who made that decision, where are you not living out the truth of your new beginning, new life in Jesus? 
You're still trying to earn favor with God by your works. You're submitting to other so-called lords over your life. You're living in shame or guilt for your sin, living in unbelief of God's love for you. Hey, 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 brothers and sisters, loved ones, repent and return to the Lord. And secondly, who has God put around you to declare this news to? And what's stopping you? Are you, you are called to be his witness right there where he's planted you. Don't hesitate. God offers you a new beginning. Behold his plan, salvation. And as you behold his plan and trust it, last point today is this. You trust it as the truth, you will behold his power, 100%. You will behold his power. What's the power of God? Transformation. It's kind of a big deal, huh? Transformation. A new beginning is confirmed. Confirmed by God's power. But here's the question of all questions facing you and I tonight. How will you respond to Jesus? How will you respond to Jesus? Let's go back to the text, verses 44 to 46. Eyes in the book. Here we go. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. See, but notice what God does before Peter even finishes speaking in the house. What does the Holy Spirit do? Cuts them off. Holy Spirit cuts them off. And notice verse 44. It says, the Holy Spirit fell Poured out, that means rushed upon every person who, verse 44, notice, heard the word. Everyone who heard the word. The word wasn't like, okay, I heard a few things and I kind of understand. No, 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 no. Hearing the word means they understood it and they believed it. They believed it. They put their faith in Jesus Christ, repented of their sin, and trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this isn't talking about infants. Infants are not old enough to make that decision to put their faith in Christ. We're not talking about infant baptism here. Everyone who, just look at the text, heard the word, believed the word. And you notice in 45 to 46, the six Jewish believers who were with Peter, they're astounded because of the Holy Spirit was given to the Gentiles. Who is a Gentile? It just means a non-Jewish person. Okay? Gentile means non-Jewish person. And the Spirit was given to them the same way the Spirit was given to the Jews back in Acts 2 at Pentecost. Speaking in tongues and praising God. And you say, what is speaking in tongues? This is like nuts. Okay, here. Tongues. Let's get some clarity. The Greek word there is glosa. It means glosa. It means, get this, speaking another actual language of a different nation that they couldn't do before. <laughs> it's like, get the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, like for me, all of a sudden I could start speaking fluent French in a moment. That's incredible. Just bang, Holy Spirit comes on. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna send you to uh, Africa so you're gonna start speaking Swahili. Boom, and it's like, what? Can you imagine? Put yourself in that place. I don't know why I paid all this money to go to school to learn language. Like, boom, that's incredible. Different nation, they couldn't do that. These were not just random ecstatic mumblings. These were actual native languages of countries and people groups around the world. Why? Because God is sending them out as witnesses to the nations. And now they're transformed and empowered by the Spirit to do so. They have new life. And so let's get some clarity here. This is often misinterpreted. This moment is descriptive and not prescriptive. It describes how the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit, but is not giving the prescription for the manner or evidence in which the Holy Spirit is received into one's life now. Do we still right now receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation? What's the Holy Spirit? The third person of the Trinity, God Almighty himself, comes at the moment of salvation to live in you and to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. Yes, that still happens. But it doesn't mean this. It does not mean that we all start speaking in tongues when that happens. This is prescriptive. Why? The disciples here, don't forget this, loved ones, were living in a time of transition between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And this was the first time the Holy Spirit's being poured out to the Gentiles. And God, in his wisdom, did it the same way with the Gentiles as he did with the Jews. Acts 2, and then the Samaritans in Acts 8. And we see it one more time in Acts 19, and then that's it. That's it. Because why? 
God was confirming the inclusion of the Gentiles into the church and demonstrating that Jew and Gentile are on equal ground once they accept Jesus Christ. No more divisions. What an awesome God. No more divisions. See, I love this little quote. Write this down. It says, God's transformation destroys your alienation. Oh, it's so good. You are not alienated from God anymore because of your sin. God's transformation in you and saving you and giving you a new life in the Holy Spirit destroys your alienation from God. You are adopted as his child, but the gospel also destroys the alienation between people. How much does our world need that today? When you look at the racism that's going on, when you look at the discrimination that is rampant against people groups, against different skin colors, you don't think the gospel is the hope of the world? God's transformation destroys your alienation. And the symbol or identification of this new beginning, this transformed life, you notice the text, it's water baptism. It's known as believer's baptism. This is why Peter says next, and we close with this, 47 to 48. Look at the text. Can anyone withhold? Look at Peter. He sees what's going on. This is incredible. And he says, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have, who are saved? And he commanded them, verse 48, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain there for some days to teach them. See, the word baptize there is baptizo. That's the Greek word for baptize. And it means to immerse or submerge. You're going to see this in just a moment. As we move over to that auditorium, you are going to see this again and again and again. Seven times. Seven times. With seven different people being immersed or submerged in water. Doing what? Identification of one's new life in Jesus Christ. And then being united with him and his church. It is a symbol of one's new beginning that they have received at the moment of their salvation. See, baptism doesn't save them. They're not gonna go over there and be saved. They're already saved in Jesus Christ. Baptism is not for salvation, it's for identification. They are now publicly declaring, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. The old has gone as they are put under the water. Hold your breath, loved ones. Put under the water. And the new has come as they are raised above water. It is the picture of our old self that is oppressed by sin and enslaved, now broken through the blood of Jesus Christ and made new and free by the grace of God. Baptism's the outward picture of what's already happened internally. Let's make it clear. Baptism, not for salvation, but for identification. Dead to sin, alive to God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible it's right here on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means saved in Jesus Christ, repentant of their sin, trusted in him as Lord, he is a new creation. It's not like Jesus just takes a little cloth and kind of buffs you up a little bit like what we do to a car. He actually makes you new. A new identity. A new heart. He takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh with new desires. His desires. The old has passed away. The one that's enslaved passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold the glorious gospel. New heart, new life. Here's what this means. Sum it up. New heart, new life, new hope, new joy, new purity, new love, new peace, new power, new satisfaction, new family, new home, new beginning. Behold the glorious grace of the gospel. And today, you are about to behold his transforming power and see seven people from different ages, different nations, who have believed in God's plan for salvation, repented of their sin, trusted in Christ as their Lord and Savior, and are now beholding God's transforming power in their lives as he redeems that life for his glory and changes them more and more and more into the image of his perfect son, Jesus. You will hear about, ready for this? Just bring some Kleenex when you go over, okay? Just, I'm warning you, just bring some Kleenex. You're gonna hear about addictions that have been broken by the power of the gospel. Not because someone worked harder. By the power of the gospel, you're gonna hear about pain that is overcome and healed. You're gonna hear about broken lives that are restored. You're going to hear about sin forgiven. You're going to hear about eyes open to the truth of God. And you're going to hear about seven people walking and living in the peace that passes all understanding. No matter what's going on around us. 
Behold the transforming power of the gospel. A new beginning is confirmed by God's power. How will you respond to Jesus? Will you repent and believe if you have yet to do that yet? Will you do that today? When you hear his voice, that, that thumping right now, that little urgency in your chest, that's, that's not a coincidence. It's a Lord like, come on, come on. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart or will you just excuse it away? And brothers and sisters who made that decision, have you been baptized yet? Why do you wait? It's so clear. Believe and be baptized. Enough. Enough waiting. It's a step of obedience. Radical, immediate obedience. Let's go. Sign up today. And will you go forth and declare like Peter that no matter who you are, God offers you a new beginning through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are an awesome, awesome God. There is none like you. We have beheld your plan of salvation and beheld your power of transformation. I thank you for the beautiful gospel as I even preach this right now. Lord, I am, I am in such desperate need of you. Not just once for that moment of salvation, but ongoing to be saved from the sin that still tempts the flesh that still urges me to do what is not pleasing to you. And Lord, I pray right now we would be refreshed in our hope and strength of the gospel. And Lord, you be opening eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, by God's grace, we are going to be moving across the foyer in just a moment. Listen for the instructions. A few instructions for us. There's another auditorium right across that foyer. You'll see double doors there. Everyone, we're just going to shuffle right there. And I would say, sit in the middle section, okay? You'll see it the best. Just sit in the middle section in front of the baptism tank. You'll see it there. Um, and we have about 10 to 15 minutes, okay, to shuffle. Parents, um, we value children in this church very, very highly, and so parents who have children in Hope Kids, if you've checked them in, please go downstairs and check out your kids now and bring them into the baptism service with you. We want them to be a part of this and to see their church family whose lives have been transformed. So make sure you go get your children and then bring them into the auditorium. And please, no snacks in that auditorium either. The facility has asked us to hold off on any snacks until after the service in the foyer here. All right? And so we have about 10 minutes, and let's pray while you're doing that. You get your seats, pray for our baptism candidates. We look forward to what God's going to do. Amen? All right, let's go. Let's go across.